0: all right all right all right if you could make your way back to your seats i'd appreciate that we're ready to jump in here and uh excited to be in the lord's house and in the lord's word and uh before i jump into jump into that just uh this morning as much energy as i'm trying to well up within me it's a rough morning um for those of us who And most of you have heard this, but for those of us who know Debbie Bowley, her passing is shocking and extremely painful um, to lose a sister like that. For those of you who don't know Debbie, I promise you, you are the worse off for that. She was an amazing woman, an amazing woman, and it hurts to lose um, a sister like that and uh and so coming into the lord's word i know that the really cool thing is that debbie and brian would be sitting right over in that area over there and she would be paying rapt attention ready to hear the word of the lord so my question to you is are you ready to hear the word of the lord yes. are you ready to hear the word of the lord All right, well, Father, our hearts are ready, and we are prepared. Lord, we have worshiped you with our hearts as we sang together. Lord, as we give tithes and offerings in a form of worship, Lord, as we connected with each other, we have worshiped you in that way, and now, Lord, we worship you by jumping into your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us because you are our God. Lighthouse, would you stand up with me? And as we spent many weeks going through uh, the Shema, would you please say this with me? It was Israel's statement of faith. It is our statement of faith today. Would you say this with me? Here, O Lighthouse, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your and with all of your might and love your neighbor as yourself amen you may be seated so um, i don't know if you have heard this name before but there's a gentleman by the name of Lionel messi and Lionel messi is by and large one of the greatest soccer players ever to play the game in fact some would say he is the goat he is the greatest of all time. Lionel Messi led his team recently to a World Cup victory. They are the champions of the world, and Lionel Messi was the MVP of his team, uh, excuse me, of the World Cup. In fact, Lionel Messi I don't know how what the like past tense for went for go. He did not accept money from Saudi Arabia to go play soccer there. Instead, he came to the United States of America, and he is still in his prime, and he's playing in the MLS uh, for Miami Inter Miami, and has literally put my uh, the MLS in a global conversation for soccer pretty much almost by himself now if you were to watch Lionel Messi play on the pitch you would notice that he walks a lot in fact he walks more than any other player on the pitch now, some people kind of look at that and they wonder if he's lazy, but then again, all I have to do is say, scoreboard. Most people think he's the goat, right? So it can't be because he's lazy. You know, some people think that maybe he's trying to conserve energy. Some people think that maybe that's part of, you know, his strategy to wait and strike when the perfect time is there. But the fact of the matter, it's a, it's a little bit different. <clears throat> Growing up, Lionel Messi was a very small boy. Uh, In fact, his nickname was the flea. When Messi was 11 years old, he was diagnosed with growth hormone deficiency. Growth hormone deficiency. And uh, what this is is a rare disease as the result of his body missing the gland that produces growth hormones. Now, thanks to modern medicine, Messi was able to grow to a towering five foot seven. Okay. But in spite of that, this, this rare disease that he had made him use his body differently. And so Messi's body consumes energy. The muscles that he has in his body, they consume energy at inordinate rates. Alright, so uh, the fact of the matter is that, that he, he his muscles lose energy his muscles lose energy at unusually high rates. And because of this, Messi has l- had to learn how to prioritize the use of his energy. He's had to learn to pick and choose when he's going to run and when he's going to walk. He's had to prioritize when he's going to try and score a goal and when he's going to hang back and let the rest of the team do their job and as a result of these priorities and this planning Messi is now known as one of the greatest of all time to ever play the beautiful game priorities and planning we'll come back to that in just a minute In the Bible, in Luke, in the book of Luke, uh, which is the first half of a volume of Luke and Acts, and it's the story of Jesus, the biography of Jesus' life by Luke, who studied Jesus' life as he went around looking for eyewitnesses to report what happened in Jesus' life. And then the book of Acts is the follow-up to after Jesus' ascension, what happened as the early church began to grow and move throughout the known world and so luke writes in his his biography of jesus life luke and it starts in chapter three and you don't really need to turn there right now but in luke chapter three we see the precursor of jesus ministry in Luke chapter 3, we find Jesus' cousin, John, the baptizer. He's going around, and he is laying the pathway, laying the groundworks for the coming Messiah. The book of Isaiah would prophesy about this one who, who was coming from the wilderness, proclaiming, make way the paths, make straight the paths of the Messiah. And so here he is, John the Baptist, the the cousin of Jesus, is doing just this. Jesus comes and meets up with his cousin, and Jesus himself is baptized. Not because he's baptized for the forgiveness of his sins, because Jesus is the only perfect person to ever walk on earth. But Jesus got baptized as kind of the beginning point, the beginning, exact beginning point of his ministry. He immediately goes from there, and the Scriptures tell us in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus was taken out into the desert by the Spirit. And as he's in the the desert, Satan comes and begins to tempt him. Now Jesus has been fasting. It says that he fasted for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days. Some of us struggle fasting for 40 minutes, okay? And, And I've been there. I've done a Lenten fast. I've talked about this a little bit here. During Lent, I fast uh, for the 46 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. For those 46 days, I fast. I have fasted food for 40 of them. It's rough, man. It's rough. And so Jesus, he didn't have a break in there. 40 days he's fasting. And at his weakest point, Satan comes out and begins to tempt him in areas that you and i can understand and i'd I'd encourage you i'm not going to spend any time i encourage you to go and read that temptation of jesus see what he went through but as jesus is victorious coming out of that time of temptation from satan from the evil one as he gets done with that he moves out and begins to do ministry he begins to go and speak and he's healing people Now I know that that for us that sounds almost, if you've grown up in the church, Jesus speaking and healing people sounds cliched because we've heard it so many times, but can you imagine if you heard of a person from Madawan who was an amazing speaker and is healing people? Like people who have cancer, they come, and he lays his hands on them, and they're completely healed. People who are deaf, and blind, and mute, boom, healed. They can see, they can hear, they can speak, all of these different things. And so Jesus is gaining popularity. I mean we could assume that, couldn't we? I mean if that was happening in Madawan, people would be coming from all over the place. People would be coming from Grand Rapids and Detroit. They would be coming from Indianapolis. They'd be coming from Green Bay. We wouldn't let in anybody from Ohio, okay? Because they're not smart enough to come here. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. So kidding. But you get the picture, right? You get the picture. People are flocking because they want to hear this master communicator. This one who speaks of spiritual things in a way that we can understand it. And he's healing people. In fact, Luke tells us a couple of different stories, you know, about, about Jesus. He, he, he goes out and, he, and he's speaking and people are coming. He's kind of moving into rock star status as a, as a rabbi. In fact, it says that Jesus, people were coming from off, they were pressing in on him so hard that one day he was speaking by the seashore, and it was so tight, and there were so many people that Jesus got into a boat, and it was owned by a guy by the name of Simon and his brother Andrew. And so Jesus gets into the boat. He says, hey, "Can you push out? Would it be okay with you? You know, can you push out just a little bit?" And Simon and his brother Andrew and their co-partners, you know, James and John, they had been out fishing all night. They're cleaning their nets, and Jesus is like, "Can you push out?" And I picture Peter going, "Oh my word! I'm so tired. I just want to go home." <sighs> okay, fine. So Peter pushes out. It says that Jesus sat down and he began to preach. Now you know, you've seen me, I, I stand. I'm a stander. Sometimes I'll sit down. I enjoy the sitting down part. But in their culture, the rabbis, when the rabbis would teach, they would sit down. Not stand up, they would sit down. And when the rabbis sat down, you knew that the teaching was coming, okay? There was no countdown clock up here the lights didn't go dim when the rabbi sat down it got quiet and so jesus sits down and he begins to teach and jesus is brilliant right i mean they're on a seashore and so you've got almost kind of a natural amphitheater there sean and i and some of the people here from lighthouse had the privilege of going to the sea of galilee up in capernaum area and seeing what it would have been like it's a natural amphitheater there and so it would have been so much easier for hundreds if not thousands of people to be able to hear jesus as he sat down and he began to speak when he's done with his lesson he turns to peter and he says hey throw your net over the side now remember these guys had been fishing all night right and not to belabor the story many of you know how it goes they've been fishing all night daytime is not when you go fishing in the sea of galilee peter whines and complains a little bit and says all right what whatever throws the net over to a huge huge amount of fish come come And they start to break the nets, and and Peter and Andrew, who were at once happy, all of a sudden are getting scared because it's threatening to whip their boat over, so they call out to to their partners, James and John, get over here, we need your help, okay? And they come over, and they help, they bring the load of fish in, and then Jesus says those incredible words to Peter and Andrew, James and John. He says those two words that every Jewish boy, let alone man, wanted to hear from a rabbi. Jesus said, follow me, follow me. So boom, they go out and they start following Jesus. He's, they're his first disciples or as scripture says his first apostles. They're his first followers who are connected to him and are going to learn from him. And as they're going along, there's a man who has leprosy who comes up to Jesus. Now, in the, in, the, in the New Testament, in the ancient days, leprosy wasn't necessarily just the disease of leprosy. It covered a multitude of skin problems. But the people who had leprosy They were shunned by everyone. They were seen as unclean. They were put out that nobody, no person like you or me would really have contact with them because you might get leprosy as well. And so they were put out. They lived in their own community. They couldn't go into the synagogue, which was like a death sentence because everything revolved around the synagogue. And this man with leprosy comes up to jesus and i imagine that the disciples went whoa, whoa 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 whoa. stay over there stay over there and i just picture jesus keeps on walking and he walks up to this dude with leprosy and and this this guy has the faith and the guts to say to jesus you can heal me You can heal me. Please heal me. And Jesus said, I will heal you. And so Jesus heals this man with leprosy. He looks at him and says to the man, he says, do not pass this around. Do not talk about this. Just go and show yourself to the priests and make the offering of Moses. Why doesn't Jesus want him to talk about him being healing because, come on, be serious. Who would not be excited about that? But the fact of the matter is that Jesus is already popular. Already people are coming and Jesus is like, man, his disciples, I think his disciples aren't ready for this. And yet the scripture says that this guy went in and he did that. He did what Jesus said. But here was the result of it. It says in Luke 5.15 Yet, yet, the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness they just kept coming and then we read further in luke chapter 5 that jesus this one day he's speaking we picture it being kind of an intimate setting He's inside of a house, he's talking to this group of people, all of these other people hear that Jesus is there, and so they kind of swarm this house, all right? I remember I I got to go to the PGA Championship when it was in Medina, outside of Chicago. And uh, this is back in the day, and Tiger Woods was kind of at the height of his popularity, and I remember when Tiger was going to tee off at the first tee, I couldn't get close to the rope. There was so many rows of people standing between, between me and Tiger Woods. I mean, I would have, you know, had to do something crazy and stupid and then get arrested to even get close to him. It was that deep of people. That's the picture I have in my brain when I think about what it was like around that house that Jesus is speaking in. There are so many people there. You can't, you can't hardly see the front door, let alone see Jesus. But people are coming and they're gathering around. And there was this guy who was, uh, uh, who was paralyzed and his friends had heard about Jesus. Maybe you've heard this story before or read it. And his friends heard about Jesus, and Jesus had been healing all of these different people, and all they wanted to do was get their friend to Jesus so they could get their friend healed by Jesus. But they couldn't get in because there were so many people. So what did they do? They went to the roof. The roof. The roof is on Okay, anyway, they went to the roof, and they began taking the tiles off of the roof. And when they got a hole big enough in the roof, which I hope that guy had homeowner's insurance, but when they got a hole big enough in the roof, they lowered their friend in front of Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He didn't look up and go, what are you thinking? Why are you ruining this man's roof? Not only is he paralyzed, but I'm paralyzing the four of you. He didn't do that. He looked down on this man with compassion. And he honored the faith of this man's friends Who would go so far as to put a hole in a roof Just to get their friend in front of Jesus And he healed him He healed him And there's a big squabble there Because Jesus says friend your sins are forgiven and the religious leaders who are there, they get all uptight because they say that the only person, the only entity that can forgive is God himself. And Jesus knew this and he said, why are you talking among yourselves this way? Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven, which is an eternal value, an eternal sickness that leads to death? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But so that you will know that the Son of Man has the power to heal. My friend, pick up your mat and walk. And the dude jumps up, picks up his mat and walks. And the crowd goes wild. Now I'm going to tell you something, okay? It takes a lot for me on Sunday. Sean can tell you. When I'm done speaking, I go home and I take a nap, okay? Okay? And I know, I know that Rick George used to make fun of me for taking naps on Sunday afternoon. Now, I I don't want to say anything about Rick saying that I would rather have cake than pie, okay? But I do think, you know, and where Rick is going to go as a result of saying that I like cake is better than pie, but I do think that Johnny Cash summed it up in a song very well. I fell into a burning ring of fire. Anyway... (laughs) But I get tired after one message after two messages there was research that was done I've shared this before there was research that was done that has shown that one message one 30 to 45 minute message for a speaker is the same amount in energy and that kind of thing as an 8 hour day of work. I'm whipped. I go home. I take a nap. Okay? Now I want you to think of everything i just told you that jesus did okay the baptism 40 days of fasting in the desert doing battle with the evil one going out speaking and preaching all over the place healing people think about the drain that that is spiritually emotionally as well as physically think about that and he's healing all of these people and 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 he's doing battle with the religious leaders at the same time how does he do it how does jesus have the energy to do it how does what we just heard how does it happen How does he go around from place to place surrounded by people who just want something from him? That's it. They just want stuff from him. They want their friend healed. They want to hear a good message. They pull into town because they want to see the circus, and Jesus is the circus that they've heard. And people just want and want and want, and Jesus just gives and gives and gives. And how does he do it without becoming bitter at people who just want all the time? How does he do it without becoming angry at people who don't hear and see the truth and just follow him naturally? How does he do this after spending 40 days in the desert? How does he continue to give? Well, in the midst of that entire story, I skipped one verse that I believe is the key. One verse I think that most of us just blow right by. We read it because that's Jesus. He's supposed to do that. And yet that verse is the key for you and me. As we're in September, at the beginning of a school year, beginning of kind of new beginnings, we have our fall kickoff next Sunday, okay? hope you're planning on being there. But in this newness of kind of something, we look and say, how can we do better? How can we be better? And I believe that that we look at this verse in Luke chapter 5, and Jesus gives us the answer. You ready for it? You want to hear it? This is what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I know that some of you are going, okay, good, what's next? That's pretty much it. That's the key. That's the answer. But Jesus often withdrew. To lonely places and prayed and there are three keys in that that I saw the first one is that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed often often say that word with me often, often. often. say it louder often, often. If I say it enough, it's going to start getting weird, okay? But he didn't do it occasionally. It doesn't say that, but Jesus occasionally withdrew to lonely places and praying. It doesn't say, but sometimes Jesus withdrew. It doesn't say that on the rare occasion when Jesus was feeling a little overwhelmed by what the world was throwing at him... Jesus withdrew. No, it says often. Often. That is like a lot. Throughout the day, it's happening regularly. But Jesus often withdrew. Withdrew. Like pulled himself out of the crowd and out of the group and put himself in a position where it was just him and God his Father. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, places where he wouldn't be interrupted places where people wouldn't come up and ask him to heal places where his disciples wouldn't come up and go hey you know that parable that you were telling about like the seed that fell on the hard ground and the seed that fell you know in the weeds and in the rocks and some fell on what did that mean he withdrew to a lonely place where it was just him and god And I got to tell you that that's pretty convicting to me Often withdraw To a lonely place Because if you know me, I'm allergic to the word lonely. I Don't like that word. I like together. I like people. I like having fun I like getting in trouble as a group of people. Okay, Like Lonely and Doug don't go together, okay? They're antonyms. And yet Jesus knew that he needed to be by himself with the Father. He knew that that was the place where he would get filled up. He knew that that was the place where the energy would come from. He knew that that was the place where he would get wisdom. He knew that that was the place where he would come to a point where he wouldn't get angry at people who just wanted, 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 wanted. He knew that that was where he was going to come to grips with the fact that when he met with the religious leaders and there was conflict, that he wouldn't just call down a thousand angels and slaughter them right there. But he would look at them with love, And the only way any of that was going to happen was because jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed and i believe here's the thing i believe that one of the reasons why we get stunted in our growth as jesus followers is because we do not prioritize or plan Our God time we do not prioritize God time we prioritize work we prioritize hobbies we prioritize Michigan or Michigan State or Notre Dame or whoever football we prioritize getting together with friends but somehow instead of getting the best of us God when he does he just gets the rest of us. And in this time in history, in our culture, and the tension that seems to surround us everywhere, we're easily rattled. We find ourselves easily frustrated and angered. We find ourselves discontent and feeling like there has to be more. And it begs the question, really, what are you looking for in this life? What are are you looking for in this life? Because there's got to be more than what we're experiencing now. All of us are looking for purpose. Some of us are looking for answers looking for wisdom, looking for peace, looking for contentment, but here's the thing. We are never going to lock into those things. We are never going to to just have that happen to us. We have to do the work. We have to prioritize the outcome. I'm going to tell you what, when Debbie Bowley has her memorial service There's probably going to be a line of people who are going to talk about Debbie and who she was as this Encouraging person as this loving person as this person who would do anything for other people Do you know why they're doing that because that's how she lived her life? The priority for her was people And the reason why at the end, people are going to talk about her the way they're going to talk about her is because she lived it out. It was her priority. She didn't look into it. She planned it. I like how how one guy said it. UCLA men's basketball coach, winner of 10 championships in 12 years, voted the greatest United States coach in history... By the Sporting News, John Wooden said this, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. When I get to the end of my life, how do I want people to talk about me? Because I'm not going to just luck into it. Nobody's going to be nice enough to say things about me that aren't true so i have to prepare i love the way the bible puts it the bible says in psalm 57 verse 7 it says my heart O god is steadfast my heart is steadfast if you remember pastor kyle last week used this same phrase from a different psalm but he used this phrase my heart O god is steadfast my heart is steadfast now the hebrew word for that word steadfast is Nachan. Nachan. and nechon doesn't just mean steadfast it also means prepare make ready be firmly resolved and it feels a lot different when you read that verse this way my heart oh god is prepared my heart is ready. The reason why Jesus could do what he did, the reason why Jesus could interact with people with nothing but love for them, even when all they wanted to do was take from him even when he knew their backstory and how horrible they were to their neighbors or their employees or their family, and he could still look at them with love, is because his heart was prepared. His heart was ready. And how did he get ready? He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. So as we look forward and we move ahead, is your heart prepared? Are you ready? Because I'm going to tell you what, your neighbors, the students in your guys' classes, okay, your family members, your co-workers, They need to hear a lot less about Jesus and to see a lot more of Jesus in you. And the only way they're going to see that, the only way that you're not going to be overcome by anger to the point where you say something that you'll regret, the only way... That you will respond to that person in love Instead of responding to them in a way That is going to force you to have to come back And to apologize to them And then to wonder what Jesus really does look like If you're the one who's representing him The only way that's ever going to happen Is if our heart is prepared Our heart is ready And understanding the example that Jesus gave to us That that happens in our prayer life That's it if you're looking for wisdom, prayer is the answer. If you're looking for peace, prayer is the answer. If you're looking for contentment, prayer is the answer. Everything you're looking for can be found in your prayer life with God. Amen. And instead of searching for answers and searching for contentment and searching for peace, just search for God. Yeah. Because that's what Jesus said, seek what first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of those other things you'll get you'll get because you're searching for god debbie boley served the lord with what seemed like unlimited reserves of energy and power whenever there was an opportunity Debbie was there. It was hard for me this morning because every morning, most of you know this, but every Sunday morning we come together at 8.05 right there in the center and we pray. We pray over the service. Pray for the Holy Spirit's power and anointing here. And just about every week, Debbie and Brian Boley are standing right there and then when I dismiss for us to go pray, they move right over here to the altar and they pray. And she wasn't here this morning. I hurt. Every time there was an opportunity to serve out in the community, Debbie was there. I mean, whether it was Christmas Eve serve or it was going to Washington Writers Academy on, on you know, uh, a day when they were helping out the kids. Debbie was there. She was there. It's kind of funny to me when I think about it The danger of going to homeless encampments To help that homeless community To bring them food To bring them words of hope Debbie went there by herself Which they recommend that you never go by yourself Debbie didn't care Because her heart was prepared No matter what happened there her heart was prepared she always had a kind word she always had an encouraging word she almost always had a smile on her face and that my friends caused me to love to be around debbie i love to be around debbie you guys have heard me if you've been at lighthouse for any amount of time you've heard me say this that i love to be around tiggers I don't like to be around Eeyores, right? And I think most of us can agree with that. We love to be around people who are happy, who are encouraging, who are excited about life, and that was Debbie. And I'm going to tell you this, that the reason why Debbie was like that, no matter what the situation or circumstances was, is because she was a woman of prayer. One of the things my wife, Sean, said, Debbie was a part of the Thursday night prayer group, and she said she's going to miss praying with Debbie and hearing Debbie pray. My friends, this year, if you want peace, if you want contentment, if you want to get away from anger and division and frustration and bitterness, if you want to have that contentment and peace in your life, the hope of the future, then it all starts with Often withdrawing to a lonely place and praying and I know you can say Doug Listen, man, that sounds great, but you don't know my life I know I don't know your life, but I do know that our life is run by priorities and plans Where is God in the priority and the plan? So here's my challenge stand up with me. The band's gonna make their way up here. Here's my challenge to you Okay Let me see if I actually put this up here. I'm going to have to fast forward a couple here. Here's my challenge to you is 30 days of prayer. 30 days of prayer. That you would begin to work into your life 30 days of prayer. That you would pray often. In solitude. Alone. That doesn't mean you have to stop praying with other people. No, that's a great thing when we pray together. But you get the energy, you get the strength, you get the wisdom, you get the comfort, you get the peace in your time with the Father alone. So 30 days, often in solitude alone. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Jesus, for your example to us, your example to me, Lord, of not losing it on people Of not getting angry. Of not having to go back and apologize for something you said. But looking at people with love. Looking at people with a heart that is gripped. Because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Thank you for that example that I can have that same thing. If I will do what you did, Jesus. Because I want what you have My friends, I'm going to I'm going to just give you a minute. And I want you to process that challenge. 30 days. 30 days of praying often in a private place. Spending time alone with God. Often Whatever you want in life is going to be found and fulfilled, not in money, not in position, not in who you know, but it's going to be found and fulfilled in your prayer life. Will you accept the challenge?